Hey ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mel Herbert here. It's, uh, what day is it? It's, come on, it's Wednesday, July 17th. Wednesday, July 17th. Neuralink, let's talk about it. Well, actually, they were going to stream it at 5 o'clock yesterday. And I had to put this together earlier than 5 o'clock, so I can't tell you what they talked about. So you probably know more than me, but we'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, we'll talk about it tomorrow, so I'll just leave it at, at that. Uh, I hope you saw it, but if not, I'll try and capture the audio and clip in some of the most important things in the morrow. But uh, before we go there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there's some news. There's some other news. The first piece of news is that 16%, ready for this? 16% of the entire world's battery supply goes into what? That is correct. You are right. Model 3. Model 3. It's kind of crazy that one car is responsible for 16% of uh, the world's EV battery capacity. So, again, Model 3 is kind of overwhelming. It sort of outsells everything else combined at this point. If you add in S and X, you get to 22%. And I think in the month of May, let me just read it here. In the first five months of 2018, there was just a single month in which Tesla deployed over one gigawatt hour of batteries. It's probably going to be seven gigawatts, and it will likely be over 20 gigawatts for total cars in 2019. All of these numbers are just saying they use a lot of batteries. And of course, that brings up to me, can they do them fast enough? Uh, when are they going to make uh, the Gigafactory bigger? Because it's maxing out at a theoretical 35 gigawatt hours. They're going to need much more than this when Model Y comes along, when Semi comes along, when pickup truck comes along. When are they going to build out that silly little factory they have over there in Sparks, Nevada? Because we've been talking about Gigafactory 3. Oh, they can build one of those in six months. Come on, let's get our act together here. What is happening? And next of all, you know how there's this uh, car company called Tesla that every 3.5 seconds it changes uh, what you can buy on the website? Well, they've done it again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. They've done it again. They've gotten rid of the standard battery version of the, what's it called? What's it called? The S and X. So the, the standard range has gone. And I actually got a note here from Jim Long that says this. Jim's been a frequent listener and writer in it to the show. And I like what he has to say here. He says, here's my prediction. Ready? Um, that the long range is going to move up to the 400 plus mile set with the uh, move over to the 2170 battery and the 250 kilowatt charging. And then they'll bring back standard range, which will kind of be like where they are right now, right? So they've gotten rid of standard range, which was about 285. Now you can only get long range. I'm talking S here, 370 miles range. And Jim thinks, you know, the next step is going to be over 400 miles and they'll put in the new batteries and they will put in fast charging, as it were. To me, this makes an enormous amount of sense. At some point, the 2170s are better batteries than the 18, what are they, 650s that are in the current S and X. So... Get your energy density up a bit more. Get it over 400 miles. That's your long-range version. And then if you want to, you can sell a shorter-range version. But it would still have to be the 2170s or something that can charge fast. That, Jim, makes a lot of sense to me. And at that point, as I've said in a couple of Elon dailies ago, it starts for somebody like me to bring up the question, okay, how much do you really want that extra range? If that's as important as you think it is, are you going to buy yourself an S or are you going to buy an X with a little bit less range or are you going to buy a Model Y that's probably going to stay at 300 miles range or at least that's what I'm predicting. Even though I would love them to bring up the range in the Model 3 and the Y, this kind of thing, increasing the range of X could be that, you know, differentiator that would make people, um, and not a lot of people, 
but a subset of people go, what the heck? Let me just spend an extra $40,000 for a 100 miles range, which makes no sense. I get it. I get it. I've also got another article here, and I've talked about this on Talking Tesla and other things in the past. It's from actually CNN's Stephanie Bailey, and it says how rich people could help save the planet from climate change. And to summarize this, it basically says that a rich person's carbon footprint can be about 175 times that of somebody who is in the poorest 10% of the population. And again, we've talked about this before, that one American baby is going to use, you know, 200 times the resources of the planet of some kid that's born in the village in Kenya. And because of that huge disparity in income, because of that huge disparity in footprint, then it really is incumbent upon rich people to do the right thing. Now, we often think about this in terms of rich countries doing the right thing. Since the US and Australia and, uh, you know, Western countries really built their economies by, you know, going into other countries and taking all their resources and burning lots of fossil fuels and pumping all that CO2 out into the atmosphere, which is now resulting in climate crises, which is going to disproportionately affect poor people, then it's the rich countries that really have the predominant responsibility to clean up their act. It's really really important for us to do that. It's politically very difficult, but that's the way it should be. But this article goes further and says, hey, you individual rich people, you too should be acting like this. You too have a moral responsibility to make sure that you have solar panels, to make sure that you uh, drive electric cars, to make sure that you don't eat lots of meat, to make personal decisions. And if you run corporations, significant corporate decisions about doing the right thing for the climate, because you, rich person, um, have disproportionately affected the planet. And I can tell you this really resonates true for me. Now, when they're talking here, they're talking spectacularly rich people, billionaires. But I think this trickles down to anybody who's got a significant amount of disposable income. I think it is now uh, the point where we have to really think about what will I do with that disposable income? Will I build myself a bigger house? That's fine. But if I build myself a bigger house, I better make it as environmentally friendly as possible. I better just make sure that I've got batteries and solar and that it's 100% renewable. If I'm going to buy myself a bright and shiny new car, that's fine. But I probably should make it a fully electric vehicle. And I should probably put fully renewable electrons in that because I, as a rich person, can do that. And many, many people who don't make as much money can't make that decision. So because you're in a position that you can... You should. And I think this is a new type of thinking. Most people haven't really thought like that. Most people who are significantly well off haven't thought about that. It's like, oh, hey, that thing is expensive. I can afford it, so I will buy it. But now I think it's incumbent upon all of us, whether it's countries, whether it's individuals, whether it's corporations, to start thinking in another way. Okay, if I do this thing, I should do it in the most environmentally sensitive way as possible because I can afford to do that, whereas other people have to buy the cheapest burning gas car they can because they just have no other option. I think it's a really important article. I'll put a link in the show notes. There's actually been books written about this as well. Even philosophers saying, uh, rich people, uh, you better do this. This is your responsibility and get your act together. And I'm looking at you, Herbert. It honestly is part of why I drive EVs. It's why I have solar panels. It's why, as a company, we give big incentives to our employees to do the same. Now, you can look at my life and say, there's a whole bunch of crap that you do that is not environmentally sensitive, and I I get it. It's true. 
I'm trying to fix a lot of those things. I think probably the most important thing is that I'm moving away from meat as much as I can. I'm not yet a vegetarian, um, but boy, impossible burgers and stuff are making it increasingly easy for somebody like me who loves meat to eat less and less of it. But, you know, even buying a, a Tesla, instead of buying an S, what I should do is buy a 3 and with the difference, buy more solar panels or give more incentives to my employees. So you've always got to struggle with these things. But I think that's important. Just to be thinking about it is now should be the new normal for all of us. Think about the environmental impact of what we're going to do and try and make it as small as possible. And for the truly wealthy people, for the people out there that are running the big corporations, that truly have the cash, the Bill Gates who was doing this kind of thing, what can I do to actually sequester carbon? Can I go buy a forest and regrow it? Can I uh, help install trillions amounts of uh, renewable energy because I can afford to do it? Instead of investing in fossil fuels and making 20%, should I invest in renewables and make 15%? That kind of thinking. I got a friend. Uh, we're going to call him Dave because uh, that's his name. A very wealthy guy. Super wealthy. And we've been talking for a long time about Teslas and the environment and stuff. And he recently... Um, sort of caught the fever as it were, like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? And to his credit, uh, with uh, his wealth, he's done some amazing things in terms of taking himself from being a, you know, a user of many, many carbon units to becoming carbon neutral and now carbon sequester by doing many of these things. And he did it within a two-year period. So uh, it's pretty impressive. And again, you might say, well, that's just one person. Well, what about all the other billions? you got to start with the one person. So to Dave, you are my role model. You are the man. I cannot wait to come over and have an ice-cold beer that's been made ice-cold by your gigantic solar array. Okay, there might be hydrofluorocarbons in your fridge, but we're going to talk about that next. Rub it out. Talk to you tomorrow.